<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey y'all, I'm Jen Horan-Jeff, founder of Savvy Cooperative, and I'm thrilled to be here on the Offscript Media Network to talk to you about a dirty little word, non-compliant. Because patients are labeled non-compliant all the time, but more often than not, it's because the system hasn't been designed in a way that works for them. I truly believe that patients have the power to influence the future of healthcare. So join me as we take on healthcare and challenge the status quo, because sometimes non-compliance is what moves the needle. Hey, Jen, welcome back to the studio for another exciting episode of Non-Compliant. What are we talking about today? What are you surprising me with? Like, really shake me to the core. <laughs> shake you to the core? Well... I don't know if it's that earth shattering because this is not going to be any new news, but we're going to talk about dun, 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 vaccines to begin. Okay, specifically. Specifically, I don't know if you heard, Matthew, but Pfizer just made a very exciting announcement about a vaccine. Did you Wait, hear? I'm just getting this in now. For the listeners, my fingers are on my ear pretending to be receiving information. And yes, yes, a 90% efficacy rate from Pfizer's new vaccine study. Oh my gosh, was that in your earpiece right now? That was just literally in my earpiece right now. You were very coincidental in making me aware of that news. <laughs> well, speaking of, I naturally have been following this news. I think it's very exciting. But as I was scrolling through Twitter... I was noticing... Don't you know not to do that? I, well, I'm hopeful that in 2021 it will be safer, but <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Got it. All right. So I was scrolling through Twitter and I noticed another patient advocate uh, had tweeted essentially a different opinion about the vaccine, bringing to light the fact that somebody had said, well, I'm not going to take this vaccine because it's not vegan. How can a vaccine not be... What? Is it made of pork? You know, I can't actually speak to all that went into said vaccine. But of course, there is a history of animal products, or I don't know what the technical name that we would use, but are, are ultimately parts of what drugs are made of. And so one individual that I just saw in this tweet was noting that they're not going to take it because it's not vegan. And I also respect this, that, you know, people have their own dietary restrictions and they want to make sure that they can live up to them. But what I was noticing of my friend's tweet, what, uh, quote, quoted tweet, retweet, tweet, tweet, quote, uh, yeah, quoted tweet. I'm whatever. liking it. Whatever that is. Dear Twitter, yeah. change your semantics, please. <laughs> where, you, where you quote the tweet yes. and saying that that was an ableist perspective. All right, teach this Gen X old guy what ableism is. Essentially, ableism is when you're using language that is using different types of abilities or disabilities in a derogatory way. Mm. So I will only say these as examples, but that could be things like lame, stupid. 
crazy, um, crazy, which is now bananas. Thanks to yes, you. Bananas, bonkers, different types of words. Ridiculous. I mean, actually, Wikipedia has a really good list of ableist terms. So mm, okay. I charge everyone with looking at that. But essentially, it's a way of identifying that people with certain types of physical or or health privilege are able to do things or say things in a way that is undermining those that have different sort of experiences. And so in that case, it is ableist to say, I'm not going to do this because essentially it's like you have the luxury to be able to make those kinds of decisions. Because here, this person saying, I rely on these types of therapies that are saving my life. So I can't, I don't even have the ability to make the same choices as you do. It's like denying the smallpox vaccine because for some reason you were infected by a duck and you don't eat duck. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what you are not seeing is this very confused look on my face Wait, as I try what, to follow what if this. You are, are, what if you, you don't, you're like, you don't eat insects, right? I'm making this up. You're, you're anti-insect. That's your dietary preference, your religion. Whatever. I know bugs. You get stung by a bee. You have to be injected with bee venom to be de-beed. Did I get any of that right? No. I, I see where you're going with this, and we're going down a rabbit hole here. Well, you here. don't need snake, but you need the snake venom to unvenom yourself. Yeah, I mean, these are kinds of things. And so these are sorts of types of choices that some people are making, but others, because, like you say, you know, it could be for religious reasons or otherwise that some people see it as less of a choice, but some people on the opposite side are seeing it less of a choice because they need these types of things to stay alive. They need the snake venom, which is actually a terrible analogy when we're always trying to steer people <laughs> away from like snake oil. Yes. So we're not talking about that, but... How do you make snake oil? You just wring out the snake or something, like an almond milk kind of thing? I don't know. When I think of making snake oil, I think you're just making a bad marketing campaign for <laughs> some crappy product. It had to come from something, though. <laughs> Anyway, I digress. But what you're saying is, as I'm now starting to process, is I need this drug to stay alive. Like, let's say chemotherapy was made of filet mignon, right? And yet you don't eat meat. And you say, I don't, I'm denying chemo because it's made of filet mignon. And yet you're risking dying because you don't get the medicine that you're being so bougie about being offensive, offended by. Well, again, I don't want to, it's always bad to make sort of blanket statements around people's choices because we don't know what's influencing them per se. But I think it is drawing some attention to the fact that people are using therapies like this to save their lives. Yes. I mean, the amount of animals that I have put into my body through non-traditional means, meaning I have not eaten them, that are coming through the types of drugs that I have. I've got mice and pigs. I've got um, rooster combs. I think it's bringing to light the fact that, you know, when I saw my friend's tweet about this, it was an aha moment of this individual is talking about how they need these types of therapies to be able to live. But I think it also introduces, as I mentioned, I don't know why this person was is vegan. Perhaps, again, it could be for some other reason. But that they don't feel like they can take the vaccine. So there's always these different sorts of um, ways that we need to be looking at people and whether or not they're able to follow a treatment plan. Listeners, I'm literally staring blank-faced at Jen right now because I can't wrap my head around the idea that you would deny yourself medication that will allow you to live 
against the variable that it's made of a molecule of an animal that you don't eat. And that's, I think, a really, really important point and to even think about animal testing and how much that advances science and trying to make sure it's done humanely. Um, it's funny, in um, I think it was sixth grade, my sixth grade class all made like speeches about things that were important to us. And my dad recently found this book. I wish I had it with me. It's like, you know, the spiral bound notebook. And mine was about animal testing. Wow. And I, you I know. were woke in sixth grade. I, I mean, th it's, it's actually pretty funny. How old would, or what year would it have been? But somewhere in the 90s. And looking back on them, I remember there was one about like women becoming president that you're like, what? These kids were so smart. But at any rate, that was uh, what I was writing about. I've always been a big you know, animal nut. I actually spent, I don't think I told you this, I spent 40 hours during the election returns distracting myself, coincidentally, rescuing a kitten from... Uh, from an engine. Yes. I saw that. This cat was stuck inside the hood of a car. <laughs> yeah. I tracked that kitten for 40 hours and I caught it and I rescued it and it was great. That might be the most unique unintended distraction from election nausea. It literally started at like 6 p.m. Tuesday night of the election and then went for 40 straight hours from there. Wow. So, so yeah, so I am certainly an animal lover. Disclaimer, kitten's fine. Kitten is fine. Kitten is with a rescuer living the dream. But, you know, I think about all these things. I think about some of our uh, pharma clients who do interesting things to recognize the sacrifices that the animals that they have in their labs have made. They have memorials for them. People do different ways of honoring these types of animals that are essentially contributing to clinical research. I have one eyebrow raised for the listeners that I'm. this is taking me a little bit aback. Is that, is this a thing now What we're that we're doing? Is, is helping to recognize the sacrifice animals make on behalf of humanity and medical advances, is that going to satiate people that won't take the medicines because of animal harm or what they don't eat? Hey, I can't answer that, but I think it's... You should be able to answer that. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I mean, this is where, you know, just from my personal perspective, I love animals, but I also respect science. So it's wanting to make sure that there is humane treatment. So I think that it is wonderful that companies do these kinds of things to be able to not just look at them as, you know petri dishes or whatnot, but they're actual living beings. So I mean, it kind of reminds me and, and I don't, I can't speak to whether this still happens. I'm sure it does at small percentages, but when you're a minor with cancer, your parents can be the ones to ultimately determine whether you live or die because you can't make legal choices on your own behalf. And when you're 17 and 11 months old, you still can't do that. And there are factions, I'm not painting with a brush at all, these are anecdotal stories I've heard working in patient advocacy for so long, where the whole, it's God's will for you to live or die, and you have no choice in the matter because you can't make that own decision by yourself. Is that a version of that? Of I'm going to take the risk of not getting this vaccine because my moral compass outweighs the benefits of my living on this planet? Oh, man. We went, we down, just a, went, full we went down a rabbit full hole. Camus. 
Yeah, we're we're in deep philosophical we, hell right now. We're deep in it off of one person's perspective. So let this be also a PSA that you can't only ask one person yes. or you only have one person's perspective. But it does line up the opportunity to have the narrative in play if it becomes a larger thing. Oh, I mean, of course. And I, I am very pro-vaccine. I think that we absolutely need to make sure that we are protecting the public. And as somebody who is immunocompromised and is not advised to take certain types of vaccines, live vaccines, uh, which are different, it means that some of us are really relying on that herd immunity that comes from other people getting, getting vaccinated. vaccinated. <laughs> ding, yes. ding, ding. So, uh, yeah, it's terrifying to think about that. I mean, that's the the great thing. Not that I want people to listen to what I'm about to say is an excuse to not get vaccinated. But the fact that there is supposedly so far 90% efficacy with the Pfizer vaccine is already a good start mm -hmm. to help cover for those people that are late to the game getting vaccines or morally opposed because they don't eat pig yeah, or yeah just you mean that is of course not the only reason why there's that anti-vaccine movement of thinking I, it I, causes I, that's a whole other show but in terms <laughs> yeah. of just this the the seed you planted in my head about this particular episode of non-compliance is yeah i i'm not going to do that because i don't eat that and yet it's a molecule of something grown in the lab by a bunch of AI machines doing chemical things. Well, yes. However, people who are vegan also won't use certain types of like skin products. I get that. But those are like lifestyle choices. This is a life and death choice. Again, I'm going to make the caveat that for some people, it might not be a lifestyle choice. There's always the segment that you know, not that I have an allergy to an animal product, but I have developed some serious contact dermatitis type allergies. So mm -hmm. there are certain things that I can't have in products. Um, you complete me. <laughs> well, I'm always just trying to make sure I'm not making blanket statements about everything. But no, that's my job. The Yeah. I mean, in general, I think, you know, what I'm just bringing up here is that sort of mindset of it's one person's perspective, but it's an important one we need to identify so that we can help educate the rest of the populace that is thinking that they don't want to get this vaccine. Like, how do we make sure that we're understanding that perspective and I don't want to say marketing, but communicating, educating around how to better access that group. This is the best of us, though, because I would never have thought in my wildest dreams that there could be somebody who would reject a medicine that could clinically benefit them and humanity because of a choice that, I mean, I guess I don't understand because I'm in this Gen X bubble and you are of the more woke generation per se. I'm a millennial. You are a millennial and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> With all your faults, I love me still. <laughs> I love that I got permission to be a millennial. <laughs> that's the best part. I'm, I, I feel more educated. I feel a little unnerved, which is kind of how I like to end my day. <laughs> but, well, glad I could provide that. Yes, yes. Mission accomplished on this episode of non-compliant so are you ready to challenge the status quo well join me as we take on healthcare. whether you're a patient who wants to share your story 
or a company who needs that valuable patient input. Well, come on over to Savvy Cooperative. Visit us at www.savvy.coop. I'm Jen Horinja. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Noncompliant. That's all for today, folks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Jen Horanjeff and Andrew McDowell. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com. <laughs>